Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know what's funny? The more I look into this New World Order talk, big conspiracy theory, New World Order, the more I find out that the people talking about this New World Order or ordering of the New World or World Order New, uh, it's the left that seems obsessed with it. Lefties, globalists, not us. So when we address their new world order, they accuse us of being conspiracy theorists for addressing their conspiracy. It's really genius. I've got more video today showing you what their new great reset, new world order surveillance state could look like. And let me tell you something, it's not pretty. So, hey, um, this new world order looks a lot like a totalitarian surveillance state. Again, folks, You can dismiss this all you want on the left with your dopey fact checkers and your silly media PP tape people. Yeah, New World Order, it's a conspiracy theory. Then why do you keep talking about it? Is that the. I'm just asking. Why do you keep talking about it? The more I've been doing my homework into this, into the. These globalist World Economic Forum, uh, big left, big government types, the more disturbing this stuff gets. Now, one of the things we've been harping on for the last three to four weeks has been what, guys? What are we in, ladies? What have we been talking about? We've been talking about them at three to four, probably uh, three to four months. The obsession with the left with these vaccine mandates, right? Why? Why are they talking about the mandates and not talking about therapeutics, antibody treatment, um, you know, avoidance, common sense uh, hygiene measures? Why are they always talking about mandates and vaccine mandates specifically? Because a vaccine mandate, ladies and gentlemen, think this through, allows them to do two very important things. It allows them to take control and surveil what's going on inside your body and what's going outside your body. Think about that for a second. By mandating that an injection be given to you, you take away the idea that The Constitutional Republic is held sacred forever that you are the ultimate king and monarch over what goes and goes in your body and and doesn't go in your body. You are sovereign over your own body. The very essence of uh, big R God-given rights, correct? If you don't have the right to your own body, forget about the right to speech, the right to defend yourself, the right to assemble, petition the government means nothing. If the government can tell you what goes in your body, then all those other rights, you might as well throw them in the garbage and flush them down the toilet bowl. So that's number one. The vaccine mandate. But second, it allows for surveillance. It allows for surveillance as well, because with the vaccine mandate, you have to determine if people are vaccinated. I mean, when you get vaccinated, Joe, you don't turn purple, right? Right. So how would any? Well, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm kidding. But how, how would anyone know you're vaccinated? So they love vaccine mandates, not only because they can tell you we own your body, not you. But secondly, they get to monitor you later. Surveillance. Just genius, evil, totalitarian, but I got to give them credit. They are strategically genius. They are. That's why they love mandates. What does that have to do with their new world order or ordering of the world or great reset and all this stuff? Well, the only way they're going to be able to implement this new, more organized, totalitarian, top-down, big government, heavy state that all these globalists want is buying a, by being able to surveil what people do and breaking down this body sovereignty thing. That's why this vaccine mandate thing was such a critical component and why they want to die on that hill. So I've been doing some homework and I found this. 
This is uh, Pippa Malgren. Malmgren. She was a uh, uh, economic advisor to President Bush, showing you again that these swampies, this is not a Democrat or Republican thing. Don't make that mistake. This is a uniparty, big new world order thing. This is an economic advisor to President Bush at one of these globalist conferences talking about the, the new digital currency. Again, another means like a mandate and a vaccine passport to surveil you, to make sure they can watch what you're doing so it is in line with their totalitarian big government Green New Deal spending agenda, right? She talks about this digital currency. She talks about how they'd have a perfect record of surveillance, Joe, how they'd have greater clarity into your life. How competing needs could then be balanced through the digital currency. Listen yes, yes. to every second of their. <laughs> Listen every second. Of, you haven't done that voice in a while. It sums it up perfectly how the swampies on both sides, they love this stuff. Now, wait, one quick thing. This may be a warning rather than advocacy. I want to put that out there. I don't think, but clearly enough, they are absolutely aware of what's going on and why surveillance is part of it. Check this out. It means digital. It means having a almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital money. Uh, but also, this new money will be sovereign in nature. Most people think that digital money is crypto and private, but what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. The Chinese were the first. The U.S. is on the brink, I think, of moving in the same direction. The Europeans have committed to that as well. And the question is, will that new system of digital money and digital accounting accommodate the competing needs of the citizens of all these locations so that every human being has a chance to have a better life? Because that's the only measure of whether a world order really serves. Here we go with this world order again. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's it's a conspiracy. Then why do they keep talking about it now? I will give Pippa an out on this. She uh, she may it may in fact be a warning. She does say at one point we would need a new digital bill of rights, implying she's warning against some of the downsides of a digital currency. However, I I'd like to state also that this is the swamp attitude that. If we can install a digital surveillance system via a digital currency to see what you spend your money in, don't worry, Joe, a digital bill of rights will save you. You mean like the bill of rights protected Donald Trump against having his campaign spied on folks? Again, it's this it's this false hope that government can can solve a problem. But in order to prevent government overreach, we'll, we'll rely on government to police itself through a digital bill of rights. All part of the new order they talk about. I mean, how is it a conspiracy theory if they keep talking about it? Notice what she says there, that this digital currency would give you a perfect record of everybody, what they spend their money on. How does that make you feel? The government, don't worry, you're protected by a digital bill of rights, that they'll have greater clarity. It'll be able to balance competing needs. What, like the competing needs of the victim class the left creates so they can take your money and give it to them, whatever victim class they decide? How does that sound to you? You see how this whole new world order thing they keep talking about and the new order starts to look a whole lot like a totalitarian surveillance state. And did you notice how whether it's BlackRock CEO Larry Fink 
or Pippa Malmgren or others at these globalist conferences. Did you notice this one thing? Do you notice, guys, they're always bringing up China as an example? Oh, look, China is already trying to push this digital surveillance state now. They're having uh, some success with this stuff now. Did, maybe we should take a look at that, wink and a nod. Did you ever notice that? It's happening right in front of your face. But yet it's so just cavalierly ignored by people in the establishment GOP. Oh, don't listen to those Bongino guys. It's all a conspiracy theory. Then why the do you keep talking about it? It's not me. It's you. They want a digital currency along with digital vaccine passports, vaccine mandates. It enables them to break down body sovereignty. Let them let make you believe you're a ward of the state. You, you will tell you what goes in and out of your body. And it softens you up to the surveillance state. Oh, oh it's, they're not surveilling me. I'm just showing a vaccine passport. And then what happens when the vaccine passport and other passports? I mean, are there going to be other vaccine passports in the future? God forbid there's another outbreak. What happens when that's combined with a digital currency where they can monitor every place you spend a dollar? In order to avoid being surveilled, you're going to have to avoid going into places that require a vaccine passport, which will be nowhere. And you're going to have to avoid spending any money. And that's assuming they can't track your phone. We're chattel. Looks a, looks a lot. Right. right. We, yes. Yes. We, no, even better. Huh. Sheep. There We're being go. herded by the, big, uh, the, 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 by the big government sheep herder. You think this is all a joke? I mean, you can laugh it off all you want. But you have to ask yourself, why is it that they keep talking about it? Here we go. Here's a futurist people love. This guy has an enormous following. If you haven't heard of him, you better. Again, you can say like, oh, this is a warning. This isn't a recommendation. Like I'll say with Pippa Malmgren, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Not a leftist. I don't lie about people. Either way, whether it's a warning about the digital surveillance totalitarian future or a recommendation, either way, I'm concerned because this guy's very influential with globalists around the world. His name is Yuval Hariri. He is extremely popular. He has an enormous following. Globalists around the world love this guy. Listen to him talk and keep in mind the entire time you're hearing this. Why is the left so obsessed with the vaccine mandate, knowing the vaccines have not been as effective as they pitched? Because of what I said before, I'm going to hammer this into everybody's skull today. It has nothing to do with the vaccine and everything to do with taking control of your body, number one, and then using it as a vehicle to surveil you through passports and other things later and softening you up to that idea. Keep that all in mind as you listen to this futurist, Yuval Hariri, who they all love, talk about surveillance below the skin. Check this out. Now, I agree that we are unlikely to see uh, uh, computers and humans merge into cyborgs in the next 20 or 30 years. I think and there are so many things that we can say about development in AI in the next two decades, but the most important point to focus on is what I mentioned as hacking human beings. The point when you gather enough data on people and you have enough computing power to get to know people better than they know themselves. Now, I would like to hear what are the thoughts also from people in, in, in the hall. Are we at a point, I'm not a technologist, but the people who really understand, are we 
close or at the point when Huawei or Facebook or the government or whoever can systematically hack millions of people, meaning knowing them better than they know themselves. They, they know more about me than I know about myself, about my medical condition, about my mental weaknesses, about my life history. Once you reach that point, the implication is that they, they can predict and manipulate my decisions better than me. Not perfect. It's impossible to predict anything perfectly. They just have to do it better than me. Uh, again, in the spirit of candor, it's one of the most disturbing things I've heard in a long time. Now, giving the gentleman the benefit of the doubt, is he giving you a warning or is it a recommendation? I have to be candid with you. Having done a lot of homework before I brought this segment forward on Yuval Harari, I am, uh, I'm not really sure if it's a warning or if it's a recommendation. But I know this. The man has a following that is enormous and you can ignore him at your own peril. And globalists around the world look to him for guidance and advice. So now I ask you to kind of rewind the tape a little bit. He's telling you this narrative, this story. Listen to him. Do not ignore him. He's telling you the same story other people are telling you who are globalists and you seek this new world order they keep talking about. What's the story they're telling you? They're telling you a story about the surveillance state moving forward and the loss of your individual freedom. Whether it's a warning or a recommendation, I don't venture to say. But whether it's real or not, I do. It's very real, the threat of this. Do you think it's a coincidence that I opened up with Pippa Malmgren at this uh, conference talking about how digital currencies, digital money, state-sponsored digital money will create, quote, the perfect record? Talking about surveillance of people and greater clarity into their lives. Clarity, just kind of buzzwords for surveillance. And then I just played Hariri talking about how the big tech government symbiote in the future using surveillance into your lives will be able to hack his words, not mine, into your life to know more about you than you know about yourself. How's that make you feel? And then we played the cut last week. You know what, Jim, can you get that for the radio show? The fourth industrial revolution cut by Klaus Schwab, talking about how the next industrial revolution is going to be emerging of the physical, the biological, and the digital. Your life, your physical life, where you go, your biological life, what's inside, your digital life online. His words, ladies and gentlemen, not mine. I played them in a show, I think, earlier this week. The merging of the physical, the digital, and the biological. Doesn't that sound like exactly what Harari's talking about? And what Pippa Malmgren's talking about? Again, this new world order they keep addressing in this great reset is starting to sound a lot like a surveillance state to me. And in order to sell the surveillance state to you going forward, because nobody wants to be watched, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody wants to be surveilled all the time, correct? They're going to have to sell it on a narrative, on the power of storytelling. Here's Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, who keeps talking about the fourth industrial revolution, merging the biological, the physical, and the digital into this big surveillance state moving forward. Here's Schwab himself talking about how narratives and storytelling are really important here to sell this. His own words. 
Check this out. I, I feel like an artist. My main work, and I want to concentrate my main work in the forum on this creative capability. It's an artist. And tell me, an artist never retires. Uh, if you go back into the history and look at good artists, uh, they stay until they cannot perform anymore in a creative way. As soon as I cannot, it's not the age, as soon as I would notice that I cannot perform anymore in a creative way, I would retire. Is he talking about artists retiring? Is he, I mean, he's <laughs> power of selling a narrative, man. Power of narrative, power of storytelling. Right, look at that. There you go. The goosebumps segment again. I'm not kidding. You can see it if you're watching on Rumble. Folks, this stuff scares me, okay? I, as I always say, there's no need to panic about anything or get crazy about anything. Um, when you're prepared and you understand the terrain features of the fight, the battles ahead might be a little bit frightening, but you're not as anxious as you would be if you're walking into the unknown. My goal on this show now and forever, and I know the whole team's goal too, is to never let you walk into the unknown. And don't be scared away by, oh my gosh, if you mention any of this stuff, it's a conspiracy theory. Really, if it's a conspiracy theory, I'd like you to tell me exactly what these people are talking about with their perfect record of surveillance, of greater clarity, of fourth industrial revolutions, merging of physical, biological, and digital. What they're talking about when they mean hacking into human beings, below skin surveillance, and the power of narratives and acting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. How about you address that rather than calling us all names? Fascinating topic. I'm not going to let it go either. Leaked documents show that schools are intentionally teaching kids to be gay. Mr. Reagan. Last night, the Washington Examiner published leaked documents from the California Teachers Association, which indicate that schools are systematically encouraging homosexuality, bisexuality, and transgenderism in California public schools. These documents are from a package that sets guidelines for and seems to encourage the establishment of LGBTQ clubs in high schools, middle schools, and even elementary schools. They're trying to set up gay student clubs for children. This article was written by Christopher Tremogli, and he messaged me yesterday with it, and I mean, I highly recommend checking out the original article over at Washington Examiner. Uh, but let me just give you a couple of highlights right here. Now check out this document entitled GSA Quick Start Resources. GSA stands for Gender and Sexualities Alliance. So take note of the three categories here, high school, middle school, and elementary school. And there's gonna be leftists who see this stuff and they say, well, this isn't really meant for young children. Well, check out this document. This was included in the packet, and you go ahead and tell me what age group this purple gender unicorn is intended for, because it looks a hell of a lot like a cartoon character intended for young children. Maybe that's just me. So, I mean, yeah, these, these clubs are also intended for children. Christopher Tremogli, the journalist who broke this story, rightfully identified a particularly concerning recommendation within these documents. Christopher Tremogli, the journalist who broke this story, rightfully identified a particularly concerning recommendation within these documents. A suggestion that teachers ask their students about their Kinsey scale rating. 
the Kinsey scale is a rating of gayness. The theory is that everybody is on a scale and exists somewhere between totally straight and super gay. And, you know, you might be totally straight, you might be 80% straight, and just, you know, kind of a little bit gay, or you might be totally bisexual, or maybe you're even totally gay. You know, that that's the idea. So this document recommends that teachers sit Sit around in a circle with your kids and ask them to tell you and all the other kids in the room exactly how gay they think they are. I also noticed that it suggests that that these teachers have students sign an LGBTQ ally pledge. It suggests that the clubs establish a rainbow dress-up theme day and that they create buttons, ribbons, and stickers for football and cheerleading and other stuff at the school. Some of the videos that are recommended that students watch are Queer Black Cosplay, Everybody's Gay, Coming Out as Gay to My Five-Year-Old Brother, and The Importance of Being Cliterate. Fantastic. The documents also suggest encouraging students to research how Abraham Lincoln was gay. Now that one surprised me, so I checked it out, and indeed there is an enduring myth among some gay people that Lincoln was gay. He, of course, was not gay, and so these documents are actually suggesting that teachers teach their students a lie about the homosexuality of one of the greatest presidents in history. You guys, this is not about tolerance or protecting vulnerable LGBTQ kids. This is about lying to and manipulating children. It's about indoctrination. Another bizarre section asks teachers to list potential enemies of an LGBTQ club at their school. It says, what or who do you anticipate being a barrier to your success? I mean, this sounds like the tactics of 1930s Germans. Please list the enemies of the state here. I mean, what are these teachers expected to write here? Are they supposed to list certain students, parents, other teachers, administrators? I mean, I mean, who's supposed to go on these enemies lists? And finally, let's go back to that GSA Quick Start resource document. Check out what it says here at the bottom. They want kids to follow the following rule. I will respect that what is said here stays here. What is said here stays here. What do you think that means? That means that these kids are to keep quiet about what goes on in these clubs. Don't tell your parents. I mean, I know what these people are going to say. They're going to say, well, we just want the kids to feel safe, freely talking about their sexuality. I mean, the left seems to think that there is a some kind of significant percentage of Americans that... If they find out that somebody's gay, they're just instantly going to murder them or something. Of course, this is not the world that we live in, but this always seems to be the justification for the secrecy that always seems to accompany the indoctrination of children by leftists. But look, they know that parents are going to want to know if their kids are in a club in which they discuss their sexuality, especially if these kids are in middle school or elementary school. And this excuse that, oh, their parents just won't understand. That argument suggests that the teachers in these schools assume that the parents are a bad influence on their own kids. It suggests that the parents are somehow dangerous and the teachers know better and are protecting these kids. It suggests that the parents are the enemy. You know, I think parents have had just about enough of this This is the reason why we have... HB 1557, the Parental Rights and Education Bill, deceptively referred to by the left as the Don't Say Gay Bill. This is why we have this bill. That's why it was signed by Governor DeSantis the other day. These leaked documents in the Washington Examiner are exactly what Republicans and parents around the country do not want. 
This is what Hollywood and the Democrats in D.C. are fighting for when they criticize Florida's parental rights bill. They're fighting for the rights of teachers to encourage your children to be gay or bisexual or transgender. Not to make kids feel comfortable who already feel this way, but to make them this way. Now, I can't tell you if these documents have been distributed to any districts outside of California or if the teachers of your kids have been given this stuff, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me. This is a cultural war that we're facing. And if you're a parent, you are fighting against a lot of people who are trying to brainwash your children. Teachers, politicians, and the media are all on the same page here. If you haven't heard about the leaked Disney meeting, basically some of the top executives at the Disney company got together the other day and they discussed how they've been trying to make Disney cartoons, movies, and TV shows as gay as possible and how they plan to make them even more gay moving forward. It's like, I love Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge like informative part of my life. But at the same time, like I'd heard, you know, you hear whispers, like I, I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little like sus when I started. And, but then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard. The showrunners were super welcoming, Meredith Roberts and like the, the our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like, my like not at all secret gay agenda. And so like, I, I feel like I felt like it was, I mean, like maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess like something must have happened in the last, like, like they're turning it around, they're going hard. And then all that like momentum that I felt like that sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background, like I was just, Wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But, like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. Yeah, um, I've had the privilege of working with the Moon Girl team for the last two years, and they've been really open to exploring queer stories. And part of, I'm on the production side, uh, part of uh, the work that I feel like I can put in is... Um, making sure that we take place in modern day New York. So making sure that that's like an accurate reflection of New York. So I put together like a tracker of our background characters to make sure that we have like a, the full breadth of expression. And uh, we got into a very similar conversation, Carrie, of like, oh, all of our like gender non-conforming characters are in the background. And so it's not just a numbers game um, of how many LGBTQ plus characters you have we got the further, uh, the, the more centered a story is on a character, the more nuanced you get to get into their story. And especially with like trans characters, you can't see if someone is trans. There's not one way to look trans. And so kind of the only way to have these like canonical trans characters, canonical asexual characters, canonical bisexual characters is to give them stories where they can like be their whole selves. Like why do kids need to hear about being gay from Disney? I discussed this on Sebastian Gorka's show just the other day. I'm, I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually. Um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child. You know, when this Disney executive sits there and says, I have a transgender child and I have a pansexual child. No, you don't. You have a child that you have indoctrinated. Bingo. That is child, that's child abuse. You've done it to your kids. That's, you know, that, no, no, 
child could tell you, would even come up with the phrase pansexual. That is you abusing them, indoctrinating them. He's spot on. And you know what? I'm right. These kids are not gay or trans or pansexual or whatever unless their parents tell them that they are. Kids are going to say anything that you tell them to say, you know, if they don't know any better. And you know what? With regard to the parents, there's really not much that we can do, right? We just have to hope that this trend eventually peters out and, you know, parents stop trying to convince their little boys to wear dresses and crap like that. But one thing that we should not stand for, we need to stop allowing these teachers to stay in their jobs. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the TikTok videos of some of these teachers. It is horrifying. So that was an interesting comment uh, on my classroom decor video about how parents might complain. And there's actually a way to be really sneaky about supporting specifically queer students in your classroom. And I want to show you it. Dropping a pink triangle somewhere in your room makes a huge difference because kids look for that. And so that's kind of a sneaky way to show your support if you're in an area that might that you might get some pushback on, but still want to make sure that you have things up that make your space inclusive. I never tell parents, period. On their survey at the beginning of the year when it asked for preferred name and pronouns, it also asked for what you want me to refer to you as when I call home and what pronouns to use. So then I just make sure when I'm calling home, I use what they prefer when I call home. Even if someone told me I couldn't do that and I couldn't call them whatever they want or the pronouns they want without parent permission, I would still do it. This comment has me hot. This commenter is saying that, you know, it's their right as a parent to keep their kids in the dark. And my response to them is you're wrong. We as a community are responsible for educating our children with sound and scientific knowledge about healthy human bodies, which includes sexuality. If they don't know and don't understand what it means, to be in a body with a mind and a heart that loves different than how your parents do, then you're not going to know that there's resources out there for you as a child, as a young person, as an adolescent, as a young adult. This commenter is wrong. It makes me very angry when people don't want to talk about gender and sexuality in classrooms. I've recently found out that at GMS, there have been some teachers counseling students pushing a transgender agenda, also telling that those students to tell their parents, I'm sorry, to keep it from their parents. I know in the high school, there have been names changed and genders changed without parental notice in, like the, in their records. And so I also I do know that it's happening and has happened at um, Grays Lake Middle School and that is illegal. You cannot do it. It is an abuse of power. I usually love my job, but lately, the one driver that doesn't listen just constantly misgendered me. Person pretty much made it so I hate going to work. I freaking hate it right now. I'm tired of getting misgendered and ignored all the time by her. She doesn't listen. I correct her. All the time, and she does doesn't listen. Just my favorite anxiety of the day today is that I'm going to have to deal with coming out to my students. 
I am an out teacher at my school, out as both bisexual and trans, and a lot of other teachers on TikTok were wondering how I managed coming out to my students. I came back to my school after being away from it for a while, during which time I transitioned. So none of the kids knew me as trans, but I wanted to talk about it. So what I did is, as soon as I came back, I joined up with the GSA, realized how many questions the kids had, and decided the best thing to do would be to host a Q&A. So many people showed up, we didn't have nearly enough tea for everyone. <laughs> um, and I spent about 10 minutes talking about the difference between gender, sex, and sexual orientation, and then also talking about my own life story, sort of like the highlight reel of how I decided to come out. In the meantime, I tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to. And he like looks around and he goes, oh, that one? A teacher from Blackshear Elementary in Austin, Texas, has claimed recently that 20 out of her 32 fourth graders, these are 10-year-olds, by the way, have come out to her as LGBTQ. And so because of this, she's organized a pride parade at her school. Let's see here. Now, the percentage of adults who identify as LGBT in America is something like 6%. And this teacher thinks that 62% of the 10-year-olds in her class just happen to be an L or a G or a B or a T or a Q. Now, I wonder why the majority of the 10-year-olds in a fourth grade class would say something like that. I'm sure that in no way did a trusted authority figure characterize being gay or bisexual or trans as cool now that couldn't that couldn't be possible because if there were some kind of coercion or manipulation by this teacher, one could make the argument that such a thing might look a lot like grooming. Now I have heard that the profession with the highest rate of pedophilia is, you guessed it, teaching. Now I was unable to verify this in my research as this subject really hasn't been studied all that much. But it does make sense. Of course, those who have a perverse interest in children are going to work in fields in which they will come into contact with children. But okay, let's say that this teacher in Austin has no perverse in interest in the kids in her class. Fine. This teacher still should not be teaching her kids that they're gay. Like, why are you even talking about this? These are fourth graders. I don't remember any teachers I ever had ever talking to me about anything remotely like this when I was growing up. I mean, even, forget about the gay stuff, take all that out of it. Why do these teachers think that they should be talking to kids about sexuality at all? Hey kids, today, <laughs> we're gonna talk about getting laid. That's not creepy. I mean, these teachers are telling kids that they should be thinking about whether they're gay or trans. This is not their place. As far as I'm concerned, these activist teachers are abusing their positions and they all need to be fired. I read some tweets by leftists defending LGBTQ activist teachers just the other day. The basic argument that these people present is that, uh, you know, parents, they don't always talk to their kids about these things, and so teachers need to do it. No, no, they don't. Parents can teach their kids about this stuff if they want, or they can choose not to teach their kids about this stuff. That's their choice. I barely talked about anything like this with my parents, and you know why? Because there were no red flags. My parents were never like, I think this kid's confused. We'd better talk to him. <laughs>
And you know what? That is how I think a lot of parents deal with this stuff. And that's fine. No kid needs a teacher asking them if they're gay. And it's certainly not the place of a teacher to encourage a kid to explore their sexuality. But we've known about these activist teachers for a while now. And, and yeah, that kind of hiring is a problem. But given these leaked documents, the problem is clearly far worse than just bad hiring standards. These teachers are not being hired on accident. This looks like a concerted effort to integrate the formal teaching of sexual exploration in teenagers and even young children. It looks like schools are systematically encouraging kids to adopt homosexuality, bisexuality, transgenderism, and other abnormal sexual identities. And that, I think, is the real difference here between what they're claiming they're doing and what they're actually doing. They say they want to discourage the stigmatization of abnormal sexual identities. And you know what? Yeah, I'm sure they do want to discourage that. But that's clearly not all they're doing. They're not just discouraging the stigmatization of abnormal sexual identities. They are encouraging the adoption of abnormal sexual identities. And that is why parents have a problem as well they should. Well, that's it for me. And remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they're teaching kids to be gay. Good night. You know, someone very profoundly once said that if fascism ever comes to America, it'll come in the name of liberalism. Fascism is private ownership, but total government control and regulation. Well, isn't this the liberal philosophy? The conservative, so-called, is the one that says, less government, get off my back, get out of my pocket, and let me have more control of my own destiny. 2,000 Mules, Dinesh D'Souza's new film. Mr. Reagan. Dinesh D'Souza has a new trailer out about the great selection of the executive in the unified states of Amercria on the fictional planet of Turf. It's a wonderfully scandalous tale, entirely fictitious, of course. Now, he's not posted this on YouTube because of the authoritarian censorship on here, but I don't know what he's so worried about because, again, the film isn't even about the planet Earth. Merely documents the fictional events of the great selection of the executive in the unified states of Amercria on the planet Turth. This is something completely unrelated to anything that has ever happened here on Earth in real life. Nevertheless, it appears that everyone who's ever tried to post this trailer has had it removed as it supposedly violates one of YouTube's community guidelines. So apparently, I can't play the trailer for you, but I will tell you about it. Essentially, Dinesh asserts that on the planet Earth, the recent selection of the executive wasn't 100% perfect. As the creator of the fictional planet Earth and all that happens there, I'd like to say that Dinesh does have authority to add to my fictional universe. So everything that he's written here is canon. I'd also like to point out how distinctly different this entirely fictional history of the great selection on planet Earth is from the recent election here on Earth in 2020, which was, as we all know, 100% perfect. There was nothing suspicious about it at all, and I don't know why anyone would ever suggest anything different. Anyway, getting back to the planet Earth, their recent selection was riddled with suspicious stuff. One of the candidates for the executive position got the most votes in the history of Amercria. His name, as I'm sure you've all heard, is Bo Jiden. Now, by itself, that very impressive statistic, most votes in history, might not seem terribly suspicious. But you have to understand that this candidate, Bo Jiden, was terribly uninspiring. Unlike the incredibly popular, totally legitimate Earthling president, 
Joe Biden during his campaign when he had, as you'll remember, millions of supporters come to his rallies. Unlike that amazing, totally legitimate president, nobody really showed up for the rallies on turf for Bo Jiden. Nobody was remotely excited to vote for him. And this total lack of enthusiasm made that record number of votes seem awfully strange. And what made it even stranger was that his opponent, the great executive Donaldus J. Trumpius, was a great leader. Among his supporters, he was extremely popular. There were massive rallies and spontaneous parades that went on for miles supporting this great man. I mean, nothing like that has ever happened here on Earth. As we all remember, I'm sure nobody was at all enthusiastic to vote for our recent incumbent, President Donald Trump. Nobody was enthusiastic about that at all. There was zero enthusiasm among his supporters. But on the planet Earth, it did happen. The supporters of Donaldus J. Trumpius were thrilled to get to vote for him. And yet, suspiciously, this great leader of Earth lost his campaign to be reselected as the executive of Mercuria. And now, Dinesh D'Souza has come out with a trailer detailing another very strange phenomenon from the planet Earth, which is the suspicious activity of those that Dinesh calls mules. Now, the term mules is often applied to drug smugglers. Drug mules, they call them. These are folks who smuggle drugs from Mexico into the U.S. Well, in this case, Dinesh is using the term to talk about 2,000 people who have been caught on video distributing thousands of tally sticks to mailboxes all over the unified states of Mercuria. Now, if what Dinesh is proposing in this film is true, then it would show that there was widespread doctoring of the tally a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away on the planet Earth. The former executive, Donaldus J. Trumpius, issued a statement about this film. He said, Highly respected Dinesh D'Souza, working together with Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote, just released a trailer to their new movie, 2000 Mules, that shows the world exactly how the Mercurian selection on Earth was doctored. The movie exposes the lies of the Deceptocrats, who say it was the most secure selection in history. It was perhaps the least secure in the history of the planet Earth. The Turthian ballot box was stuffed, and stuffed like never before. And it's all on video. Tally sticks were trafficked and sold in a massive operation in each swing state. The evidence is so damning, what Will the cowards who sat and did nothing about the stolen Turthian selection say now? The way votes were taken away is a disgrace to the unified states of Mercuria. It must be fixed. That was the statement from Donaldus J. Trumpius, former executive of the unified states of Mercuria on planet Turth. And of course, the planet Turth is just a figment of the imagination, a, a fictional planet that doesn't really exist, a fable, nothing to take seriously. But if you were to take such a silly little fiction seriously, it might behoove you to check out Dinesh D'Souza's channel on Rumble, where he's free to post such ludicrous fictions. Again, the film is called 2000 Mules, and you can find the trailer on Dinesh D'Souza's Rumble channel. And remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant, it's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. You know, someone very profoundly once said that if fascism ever comes to America, it'll come in the name of liberalism. Fascism is private ownership, but total government control and regulation. Well, isn't this the liberal philosophy? The conservative, so-called, is the one that says, less government, get off my back, get out of my pocket, and let me have more control of my own destiny.